I'll do my best to uh, get to the point, trusting the Holy Spirit for his help with his word today. Open to the Gospel of Luke chapter 22, where we read several verses just a moment ago. In the passage where Jesus sat with the disciples at the table, and as I read through the number of accounts that the Gospels provide us of this account, I was uh, prompted by the Holy Spirit to concentrate a bit on one key individual during this dinner. Statement Jesus made about his betrayal and the one who would betray him. And at first I thought we would just simply use this individual as an illustration. He really would have provided ample illustration for us to continue with our series of messages on the Ten Commandments, either the betrayal part, falsehood, or thou shalt not steal, because he held the bag and he was a thief. John's Gospel tells us about his breaking of that commandment. He was one of the disciples of the Lord, and yet found himself in that spiritual condition. So I was pursuing that direction, and it just got to be too much for one message. I just want to concentrate today on one facet that I feel the Holy Spirit can minister to our hearts today, and is entitled Disappointment and Betrayal. I had to ask myself the question, why, Judas? Why did you do what you did? Why, for such a little bit of money, did you identify Jesus to the religious establishment bent on getting rid of Christ, becoming that instrument, that channel that they needed to isolate him from the crowd and to betray him to be crucified? I know there are numbers of reasons why. People give different reasons. But I believe we have sufficient reason this morning to, to look at this man and believe that he had been selected by Jesus after a full night of prayer. Spent the entire night as he did before he chose the other disciples. He had every advantage that all the other disciples had. He was with them when Jesus gave his great sermon on the mount. He was with them when they distributed the loaves and the fishes. He was with them in the boat when twice it almost sank but for the intervention of Jesus. He was there with the twelve when they were sent out with the message of healing and, and peace. He was with the seventy when they went out in ministry. So he had participated with them and was a part of them. Why would Judas have betrayed the Lord? A real strong sense comes from Scripture that he was looking for, anticipating a different Messiah than what he had found. He was looking for a Messiah, as many of them were, and it was, it was something that I believe was in the heart of all the disciples, but it was something that Judas did not deal with. He was expecting a Messiah that would come and politically overthrow the Roman oppressors and establish a kingdom that he would become the throne and the ruler of. And all those disciples would become key players in his government. And when he was hearing him talk about dying, when he was 
in, in John's gospel, anointed one week earlier with a perfume where the bottle was broken and anointed for his death. And he made very clear statements that he was not going to come to reign as king. You can hear the angry remarks. Why this waste? And almost implying his anger toward the Lord, I, I had in mind, I expected that you would perform up to my expectation and become the kind of Messiah I had envisioned you being when I said yes to be your disciple. Disappointed. And out of that disappointment came betrayal. I know there's a little chorus that says there's no disappointment in Jesus. I wish I knew all the words to that. Anybody else remember at least those words? There's no disappointment in Jesus. It's an old chorus. You would date you with me if you did raise your hand. But I have to tell you, you can't read far in the Bible and not discover that there are people who were disappointed with the Lord. You only have to go to chapter 4 of the first book of the Bible and you find two young men bringing an offering to God. One was accepted, one was not. And as a result of God refusing to accept his particular act of worship or offering, he became angry. Let me read it to you. Chapter 4. So Cain, very angry, his face was downcast. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not that which is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. You've got to deal with it. You've got to deal with this. The problem is not with me, Cain, it is with you. Your expectations, my do not match. And there are times when our conception, our expectation, and God's performance do not match. And we can become just like Cain in that moment, angry, resentful, bitter, downcast, depressed, discouraged, disappointed, and out of that disappointment can become betrayal or even worse, murder activity. You can read it right through into the book of Exodus. The whole of the children of Israel moved through the Red Sea, a miraculous event. God opened it for them. They walked across. Immediately after the enemy following, the waters covered over and those enemies could pursue them forever no more. They had a wonderful service. Miriam led the worship that day and they wrote new songs of God's deliverance. Three days later, they came to a point of disappointment. They came to the waters of Myra, where there was no water at first, and they were thirsty, wondering if they were going to die of thirst. Then when they found water, it was bitter. They were disappointed. Became angry. Same response. And in our walk with God, they were not on their own. They were being led by the Spirit. They were following the fire and following the cloud. That's the direction God took them. It was not that they had missed God. Myra was on the itinerary. Let me tell you, church, if you're going to follow the Lord and follow the Spirit, He will lead you sometimes in a roundabout way that will take a miracle to get where you need to go. But He's a God of miracles. He can open that Red Sea for you. You can walk across on dry land. He will destroy the enemies behind you. God is sufficient 
for those kinds of needs. He will lead you through impossible situations where you will need God to get from where you are to where you need to be. But you're not a, just a, a short way from there to a disappointing experience. The Holy Spirit will lead you to Myra. And there in that bitter experience, we need to be able to deal with our disappointments that's what God had said to Cain. You need to deal with this. You need to master this. Or it will master you. His failure to master that, he became mastered by that. And he performed a, a work that set a mark on him for the rest of his life. It's how we deal with those disappointing circumstances. Our expect, ex expectations of God, when he does not perform up to our expectations... What we have done is create an idol of God made in our own image, the image of our own creation, expectations of our own mind and our own heart. We need to let him be God and not have him answerable to us in the deity that we have created in our mind, the expectations we have created of him that he must answer to. Our disappointments of what God would do, you can just read it right straight through. Some good men, Jonah of all people, called of God, sent by God, had a message from God. Forty days and God's going to send judgment upon the earth. And uh, they began to repent. Sackcloth and ashes from the king to the cradle. They began to repent. And God said, okay, I accept your repentance and spared the city. You know the story of, of Jonah's response. If you don't, let me just read it to you from chapter 4. Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry and prayed to the Lord. Oh, Lord, is this not what I have said when I was still at home? That, that's why I was so quick to flee to Tarsus. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. The Lord replied, Had you a, have you a right to be angry? <laughs> Disappointed in what God didn't do. I don't know if I should ask for a show of hands. I wonder how many in this room this morning have been disappointed in what God didn't do. Okay, I saw a hand go on. Let's, let's all be honest enough to put it up. Yeah, talking to the right crowd. How we deal with that disappointment really determines a lot of things. Whether you, we're going to continue as a believer or become a betrayer. And I think it's critically important this morning that when God does not perform exactly, he is not the Messiah that we expected him to be. You need to know something. He's the Messiah that the Father wanted him to be. Oh, I'm so glad he was not the Messiah that Judas wanted him to be. He was not just going to be someone who overthrew a political power and set up a little kingdom there in Jerusalem to rule and reign. I'm so glad he loved us with the cross, like Deidre said this morning. I'm so glad he became the, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, who would give his life 
to redeem our sin penalty and forgive us of all of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, I'm so glad this morning he is not the Messiah of Judas' expectations and the mental image that Judas had of him that somehow he was now going to establish a kingdom and they were going to be key players in that kingdom. Oh, I'm glad for the kingdom of God produced by the cross that was more than just for time but forever, for eternity. Remember Mary and Martha? Sent a message, a prayer request to Jesus. Our brother that you love is sick. They expected him just to respond. They knew how much he loved them. Didn't come for days. When he arrived in Bethany, Martha just shook her finger in his face and said, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. How do you hear that? Do you hear a little bit of anger, a little bit of disappointment? Lord, you let us down. We sent you a request. You didn't answer it. Now it's too late. Four days. He's been buried four days already. The prodigal son came home. There should have been rejoicing. But the elder son comes to the Father, typical, really a picture of our Heavenly Father and His wayward children. The elder son said, I'm not going in there. You're treating him different than you treat me. I don't know how you read the Bible, but I, I read it looking at people and identify with those people. There are some disappointed folks in Scripture that uh, felt very deeply and their anger kindled strongly because it seemed as though God was not being what they wanted him to be. Responding the way they expected him, desired him, wanted him to be. How we deal with those disappointments that really will determine whether we become a believer, continue to be a believer, and our faith is raised to a new level or become a betrayer. The challenge to us this morning is all of us are going to face these times. How are we going to deal when we are disappointed with God? We look at the scripture. We have the benefit of hindsight. And we can see Mary and Martha got a greater revelation of Jesus than they would have had had he just come and healed their brother when he was sick. They discovered the resurrection and the life. They discovered a power and a presence of the Lord that they did not know and would not have known and others would not have known had Jesus come when they asked him to come, had he responded the way they wanted him to respond. Before they were disappointed, they would never have known the power and authority of the word of Jesus to bring life out of death. And the revelation of the Lord that we rejoice in this morning would not be a part of the record if Jesus had performed up to Mary and Martha's expectations. I'm so glad he didn't. I'm so glad he didn't. And when I look at Nineveh, I'm so glad he didn't perform the way Jonah would have liked. I'm glad that city was spared. I'm glad God is a merciful God. And we get so irrational when we get disappointed. He was more concerned about a gourd than he was about his God. You read the rest of the chapter, he, and he was angry that the gourd died. He said, these people you want to die, you don't want a gourd to die? 
we do the dumbest things, don't we, sometimes, when we get disappointed. We say some of the dumbest things when we get angry. I remember a story that uh, a professor told me of a young man, 16 years of age. His name was Cricket, of all things. Would you like to be named Cricket? Son of a missionary. Lived in the Belgian Congo. In the 60s, his father, Jay Tucker, was taken during a Congolese uprising, taken from his missionary compound and beaten to death with the butt of a rifle. They took his body and disposed of it by throwing it into a river that was crocodile infested and they, his body was devoured by the crocodiles. His mother and three, three children went back to Springfield, Missouri. Cricket was the youngest of the three. And he was an exemplary young man, just talented in personality and totally committed to God. In spite of what had happened, he just seemed to, to emerge from that and grow from it and continue to serve God. Went with a youth group to Arkansas. They were building a camp and using logs to build that camp. He and a friend were carrying a log on their shoulders and they, they got to the place where they're building the construction and on the count of three they were supposed to roll this log off and somehow he missed the count or there was a misconnection and his buddy threw off the log first and it hit the ground and that's came up and hit him behind the head and rendered him instantly unconscious. He was taken to Springfield, Missouri where he lay there for weeks and several months unconscious, kept alive by a respirator. And this professor would go and pray over him as many others would do. There was a ray of hope because Catherine Kuhlman was going to be coming to that city and in fact coming to that church, Central Assembly in Springfield, Missouri. And so they, they just wanted to get him there. They just thought getting him into that service might be the real key to his, his healing and his deliverance. And so they, they needed an ambulance and continue the respirator and all the paraphernalia to get him there in the back of the church. And thousands of people filled the auditorium that day and God moved mightily in that service. But at the end of the service, this man said, I had been standing by his bed and I, looked, I saw the look on his mother's face as they wheeled him back. Although God had moved mightily, he hadn't moved upon cricket. Put him back in the ambulance, took him back to the hospital where in two weeks he died. And this professor said the next day he was teaching a class, walked into the classroom and there was a young man there who was raising his hand, obviously wanted to give a word of testimony. He said, I was in the service yesterday and uh, I, two weeks ago I had broken my toe, my little toe on my right foot. It was so painful. He said, I could hardly walk on it. But I went to the service while I was sitting there and the power and the presence of God was there. I felt his presence strongly in my life and all the pain left my foot. And he began in the classroom to stomp his foot, demonstrating the fact that his foot, his toe was totally healed. I remember that professor saying to me, I wanted to be happy, but I felt something rise up in me that said, why God, why? That little toe, that in two or three weeks would have been, would heal as good as new by itself. And you instantly heal his toe, and a little cricket is sent back, he's fighting for his life, he's sent back without a touch from you. 
I don't understand you, God. I don't understand And as he said it, he, can say, he said to me, you know, I can, I can still tell by the way I'm speaking this that I still haven't come to total terms with this. What am I saying this morning? I'm saying there are going to be times, church, when we're not going to understand why God didn't do it our way. Why would he do that? Seemingly so insignificant and not do this. That doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make sense to you. Does God have to make sense to us? No, he doesn't. He's sovereign Lord. And let me tell you something. He has a bigger purpose and bigger picture than we can see. Don't check out too soon. Stick around for page two. You see, if Judas had just stuck around 72 more hours, Jesus would have raised from the dead. I believe there would have been sufficient grace for him as there was for Peter and anyone else who had failed. All the disciples forsook him and fled. I believe there would have been enough grace for him to be restored had he just stuck around another few hours. When Israel was at Elam, God performed the healing of the waters. And then they went from there, from, from Myra to Elam. You know how far it is? The Bible says Elam was a place of 12 springs and 70 palms. So there was plenty to eat and plenty to drink, place of refreshment. You know how far it is from Myra to Elam? Five miles. You know how far it might be from your place of bitterness to Palm Springs? Just a half day's journey. Stick around. God's not finished yet. Don't judge him out of context. Don't take one circumstance that you're living in right now and try to interpret it all by itself. You can't do scripture that way. You can't interpret life that way. God has something to say before that event, and he has something to say after that event. So don't try to interpret life just by looking at one isolated event. He's not finished yet. He has a bigger purpose and bigger picture than we see. All God has put on my heart to say to you this morning, we're going to encounter disappointing times. Not only disappointed by people, but disappointed by the Lord. He didn't come through the way we expected him to come through. How are you going to handle that? What are you going to do with that? I told this story years ago. It came to mind this morning. Bailey Smith is a pastor in Texas, and he talks about his childhood. Big family, son of a pastor, and they didn't have a lot of money. Everything was handed down. He was the youngest, so he got, he got it last. The bicycle that he inherited had no, no fenders. It had no pedals. And it didn't have any handle grips. He was just kind of a bare bicycle, and he, he got himself a paper route, and it was difficult doing the paper route that way. 
And one day his dad was going to the, uh, to the store. He wanted to go along. So he said, Dad, let me go. He said, no, not today, Bailey. I'm going by myself. No, please, let me go. Finally, he relented. Let him go. While he's doing some business, he's walking the aisles. He's looking things over. And he came into that section with all the bicycle parts. And he saw those handle grips with the streamers, you know, the plastic streamers that you... And so his heart just, his heart was set on those. He came to his dad and he said, Dad, could I please, could I please have those handle grips with the streamers? No, Bailey, I'm sorry, you can't have those. Dad, please, please, can I just have those with, jazz up my bike a little. No, no, Bailey, I'm sorry. Dad, come on, they're only $1.98. Have you heard that before? I'm sorry, Bailey, can't do it. So he got in the car, he said, I was silent, I wouldn't talk. I sat over by, as far as I could, by the door. I was going to punish my dad. Got home, went right to my room, closed the door, wouldn't come out for supper. Later on, after supper, I heard my, my dad's voice call, Bailey! Pretended I didn't hear. Called my name again. Pretended I didn't hear. Billy Eugene, you get out here right now. He said I knew when he used my middle name, it was time to respond. So as I walked into the living room, and there my mom was sitting on the couch, and behind the couch was a brand new bicycle. And his dad said, I know how disappointed you were at the store today when you were asking for those handle grips. But I didn't want to waste the money on those because I knew we had made the final payment. Mom and I had been saving for months. Today, I went down to make the final payment on your new bicycle. We felt with your paper route you needed a new bike. He said, I can't tell you all the feelings that rushed up inside me. I think you and I have had those feelings from time to time when God didn't respond. And we said, God! It's only a dollar ninety-eight. Can't understand God. We just get so angry. We're going to punish God. We're not going to talk to Him. We're not going to go to church. We're not going to serve Him anymore. <laughs> you know, stick around. He's not finished yet. He's got a bigger picture than we see. He loves us. He loves us. And his will. You cannot improve on the will of God. You cannot improve on the will of God. And I, I am not going to stand here and tell you that the will of God is always going to lead you on, on green pastures and by still waters. You're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But you need no fear, no evil, because he's with you. The same God that will take you by green pastures and still waters is going to walk with you through the valley of the shadow as well. Not going to be just no problems, no pain from here on. But his presence will be there.
through the fire, through the flood. They will not kindle or overflow you, but you'll go through them with his help, with his presence. Father, I pray today that you would communicate with us. As we read your word, we see in people a reflection like a mirror showing us ourselves Help us to learn from your word. Lord, I don't know what this is all about today. I'm not sure whether it's someone who presently is going through a time of bitter waters. One who's going through difficult or different circumstances than they expected. Seemingly no answer to prayer. Lord, you're four days late already. Too late. Lord Jesus, I don't know whether it's something that's preparing us for what this week may be. Holy Spirit, only you know how to help us right now. But I pray for that. I pray in Jesus' name that we'll not miss what you're trying to accomplish in these few words today. We'll give you praise for everything you do. We have faith for it right now in Jesus' name. Let's stand together.